Monday, October 3rd, 2011, and this is Radio Wave. Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. Feeling the hurt. For more than 80 years, consumers across America have been watching and somewhat readily absorbing gradual price increases due to inflation. Recently, however, the increases in food prices have far outpaced the gradual increases in income that have typically kept citizens afloat. Though most deny that there is a real problem with America's economic system, many have begun to feel the hurt from these price increases. Droughts, floods, and other occurrences within the farming industry have added to shortages and price hikes on both a regional and national basis. When asked about the rising prices, Joseph Natius of the Coalition to Save America stated, quote, Because of inflation, prices are basically always going up, but when they go up fast, that's when people really begin to feel the hurt. What makes the problem more serious for most people is that America has been evolving into a nanny state, where citizens are always looking to the government, their nanny, to take care of them. Rapid inflation will not hurt those people who are positioned to provide for themselves as much as those who are always looking for someone else to take care of them." Unquote. Our Lady said on April 2, 2010, Be ready, my children. This is the Medge Network Information Service. Grand Theft Agriculture Reports of serious agricultural thefts are coming in from different parts of the nation. Severe drought in Texas caused a serious shortage of hay for livestock in the state. Faced with losing large parts of their herds, livestock owners in Texas are trucking in hay from other parts of the country and paying premium prices to do it. As a result, thieves are stealing this high-demand and high-dollar hay by the truckload. Similar happenings are reported in the state of Iowa, where all-time high pork prices are tempting thieves to steal slaughter-ready pigs that can be sold for the highest dollars many hog farmers have ever seen. Hay and hog owners are now taking additional measures to protect their livelihoods from would-be thieves. Our Lady said on May 25, 2010, God gave you the grace to live and to defend all the good that is in you and around you. This is the Medge Network Information Service. The Queens and the Prince 
Prince of the Apostles, Pope Benedict XVI, is now being served at his summer home by eight different queens. Queen bees, that is. Eight beehives containing more than 500,000 bees were donated to the Pontifical Farm at Castel Gandolfo for honey production and pollination of the Pontifical Farms. Recent comments by Pope Benedict XVI encouraging a return to the soil and agrarian living fall right in line with raising one's own honey, as well as the cows, chickens, and fruit orchards present at Castel Gandolfo. Since the release in July 2010 of the book, It Ain't Gonna Happen, thousands are turning to the wealth of the soil as their investment and its bountiful returns in an attempt to distance themselves from dependence upon the national and international systems for their sustenance. Across the world, people are beginning their first agricultural trial runs, trying their hands at raising chickens, pigs, and gardens for the first time. These trial runs are proving important, as many are learning that producing for oneself doesn't come without its own hiccups, bumps, and bruises that must be navigated to have a successful family harvest. Many have moved toward the soil in response to the looming uncertainty in the economy, stating, however, that they have felt this desire in their hearts for some time. Our Lady said on April 25, 1987, I desire that through each one of you God's plan may be fulfilled, that all which God has planted in your heart may keep on growing. From the MEDGE Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Metricoria.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. It reaches into every home and family. It crosses every border and nation. Even every church is affected by it. No wonder it is the talk of the world right now. The economy, money, stock markets, inflation, the increasing cost of food, the increasing cost of life. The world's enslavement through the economic material disorder captures hundreds of millions through debt and consumerism. Yet, the Virgin Mary comes every day in Medjugorje, and she tells us to not be afraid of the future. In the face of reality, in the face of what will happen in the world, how can you protect your family, your children, your way of life? It Ain't Gonna Happen by a friend of Medjugorje, truly today's manual for the return to truth. The economic disorder is the result of a spiritual disorder. It Ain't Gonna Happen, your guide to understanding the fundamental changes that will happen in the world and how to not be afraid. It Ain't Gonna Happen, available on medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. It Ain't Gonna Happen, by a friend of Medjugorje, Available through leading bookstores, Amazon Kindle, and others. Brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. 
And the book, It Ain't Gonna Happen, is available from Caritas of Birmingham. That is the book that most people are looking to today to find their direction on how to read the signs of the times. And uh, it's considered by many to be the most popular Medjugorje book available today. And again, that is available on Medjugorje.com or through uh, Caritas of Birmingham. Uh, This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We welcome everybody tonight. It's always a joy for us to see what manifest six months, a year, two years after the message, and to know that we're ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the curve simply because Our Lady is talking to us about the future. And she's a prophetess of our age. She's warning us and preparing us and schooling us and putting fiber in us for what the future is going to bring to us. Yvonne herself said that the secret's not good for the world. So many people still want to cling to a rosy attitude or a picture or whatever you want to call their mentality that everything's going to go well for us. Our lady said, use this time of grace now that it might go well for you. If you're going to stick your head in the sand and expect, well, I'll deal with things when they come, it's not very bright. That's not wisdom. You have wisdom herself saying, use this time well. Or, I'm sorry, use this time of grace. In other words, make your decisions now. And that's what prophecy is about. Prophecy is about making decisions in the present for the future. As I said last show, I think it was on the 25th, I believe it was, that we don't get prophecy for curiosity to know the future. We receive it simply to know what we need to do today. For what's coming. How's the spring time of the church going to come? By decisions that we have put into our life today. The springtime doesn't come and bring forth its flowers without preparation. So if we're going to see a new lush growth for the church, we've got to bear down now, plow the fields, get rid of the winter, winter storms, the trash, cleaning things up, cleaning the fields, planting, sowing. You don't have your gardens and your landscape and what you do and spring flowers without preparing even in the fall. So don't think our lady's coming to say, do nothing, my children. Just simply pray, my children. And be like the the Israelites in the desert. I'm just going to give you manna. Even the manna after 40 years dried up. They had to do something. We've been with our lady for 30 years now. You think she's just going to keep coming from heaven? This sweetness? The manna was addressed as something sweet. It gave a flavor to every person who ate it. A different taste. It was satisfying. It was gratifying. It was to each one's own palate. The messages are the same way. To each of you, this message we received from Mariana has something to say to you. Just like the manna tasted different to each palate of the million and a half Israelites that wandered in the desert. And it's no different for all of Israel who was wandering in the desert. The manna fed them all as a whole. It spoke to them in God's providence. And so we address today the message in that way of a whole. But don't think what I'm telling you tonight doesn't have some other application to your life. This is an overall application to society, to what's going on today. And this message today is profound. Is a very deep, hidden message in it 
a very profound message, something I think Ali's never directly talked about and don't think is not direct. It's very strong directing, directing toward a problem we have in culture today. Though it might be hidden, Ali does this with purpose. You must pray, she says, to grasp the profoundness of the message. The day this message has profoundness. And if you don't pray, you won't have it. Our Lady of Medjugorje's October 2nd, 2011 message to Mariana on the Day for Nonbelievers. Dear children, also today my motherly heart calls you to prayer, to your personal relationship with God the Father, to the joy of prayer in Him. God the Father is not far away from you, and He is not unknown to you. He revealed himself to you through my son and gave you life that is my son. Therefore, my children, do not give in to temptations that want to separate you from God the Father. Pray. Do not attempt to have families and societies without him. Pray. Pray that your hearts may be flooded by the goodness which comes only from my son, who is sincere goodness. Only hearts filled with goodness can comprehend and accept God the Father. I will continue to lead you. In a special way, I implore you not to judge your shepherds. My children, are you forgetting that God the Father called them? Pray. Thank you. Mariana said, I have never seen anything before. But are you aware that the mother of God was with us? Each of us should ask himself, are you worthy of this? I'm saying this because it is difficult for me to see Our Lady in pain, because each of us is seeking a miracle, but does not want to work a miracle in himself. So, did you get this? Did you pray about it? Have you already read it and you just absorbed it superficially? Or did you go in depth? Our Lady says four times. I think it's four times in the message. Five times. God the Father. Do you think she's given us a message about the family life, the relationship? I want you to have a personal relationship with God the Father. Why is Our Lady saying this? What do you think Our Lady is saying to us when she said God the Father was revealed through her son. He is not unknown to you. Is that because that statement, he's not unknown to you, because so many people do not know their father? So many fathers aren't in the home? And don't think for a second, I'm going to go along with the rest of the culture, like the father's abandoned the family. Many of them are driven out of the home. Otherwise, making a home. Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Are they living their wifely vocation? Why does he not want to come home? This is what's been asked. Go to the courts. Look at the records. See what they do to the husbands. Give the wife the money. And kick him out. Don't let him have any of the rights. There's a huge abuse going on. Look at television. Look at years and decades of what it makes of the father. Fatherhood's rejected in this society. It's driven underground. So what does man do? He retreats. He's marginalized so he don't become what he's supposed to be. 
if you're a football coach and you're training your guys out there on the field, you want them to think being first. You want them to think to be winners. Being a father is not taught in this society to be a winner. And being a woman is taught to be on top. She runs things. Nobody likes to hear this. I wrote How to Change Your Husband just about these subjects. This saves, has saved thousands and thousands of marriages. Tens of thousands. It's under attack right now. Why? Because Satan hates truth. Satan hates what it is that brings people back to wholeness. And so our lady says, he is not unknown to you because so many people are wounded. They don't know their father. They don't have a father. And why should he stick around? If he's there just to give money, he's, he's going to fall. He's going to go wayward and go the wrong way. He's not going to live up to who he is because there's no expectation for him to do that. He's, he revealed himself to you through my son and gave you life that is my son. Therefore, my children, do not give into temptation that wants to separate you from God the Father. When you lose your father, when there's no central father in the family, then there's a difficult belief in God. You can find that most people have a hard time believing in God, had a difficult time with their father. Not that he was bad. But the image of him. When a father dies in the home, the mother has this picture on the wall and talks to the child when they walk by. Your father would never let you get away with what you did today. He would be disappointed in you. He lives. So he doesn't have to be in the home. The image that a wife makes of a husband is critically important to the not just to the psyche, but the soul of the child. If she's cutting him down, if she's ridiculing him, she's demeaning him, she's usurping him, you think the child won't do the same thing to the mother? The authority flows from God the Father to the father of the home, to the mother. She has power through him. He has power through God the Father. We've broken this chain, this greatness, this kingly seat of fatherhood in the family and the queenship. Don't think if you tell your husband to shut up that you've lost the ability to tell your kids not to tell you to shut up. We've lost respect. We lost reverence for the Father in heaven, God the Father, and it's come through a lot through what's happened on earth and all the societies. Therefore, my children, do not give in to temptations that want to separate you from God the Father. Society's structured to do this, to lead to temptations. And what is that temptation? This is very hidden here, but very blatant. Do not attempt to have families and societies without him. What do you think that means? I remember Time Magazine walking through the airport a few years ago. The new family. They've redefined the family. And it's based on depravity, the most grave sickness and perversion possible. No one would ever dream. 20 years ago, we could be thinking even today the way people think and accept or resign themselves or become apathetic to. How long are we going to put up with this? When our lady calls us to a simple life, 
a beautiful life. Our Lady's calling us to be home, to be in our home, a home of wholeness. Not something you're going to attempt to make and call it family. Not something that you're going to impose on the Catholic Church and say, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have adoptions this way, forcing things down our throat. The Catholic Church is saying no, and we're not shutting down. I know some hospitals have shut down. Some orphanage, Catholic orphanage or adoption agencies have shut down. Don't shut down. Defy it. When do we say? When do we think? That sometimes when a push comes to a shove, we fight back. Christians aren't passive. There's a time to stand on your ground. There's a time to fight. This journey of life is made up to be simple, holy. Our lady lived with Joseph. They had simple things. He had his tools, his hammer, his square. All these things surrounded her. She lived this life. But they protected Jesus. They guarded his innocence. And so what it is, we should say, no, we've got the people, the minority of them, not us. How long do we take it? It's time to go after it. It's time to take back the ground. First, we've got to live morally. We've got to live righteously, not self-righteously. But we've got to walk the talk. And then we say simply, no, get out of our face. Don't shove us. We'll shove back. He was old school in overalls Tough as nails as I recall He fought a war and came back home Honest as the day was long And right before my grandpa died He looked me right straight in the eyes Said here's some words to get you by to help you on the journey of your life You'll need a hero and a good dog Especially a good dog A hammer and a handsaw Band-aid now and then You'll need a home to come home to Son, we all need a refuge on the straight and narrow path You need to learn to bend Well get a good square And keep it level Have grace to face the devil You'll need an angel flying by your side On the journey of your life And ride the wind till we other side of life You'll need some good luck and a Bible Especially a Bible A lot of faith in God above And a woman you can love You'll need a good song that you can sing on 
a shoulder you can lean on And you gotta draw the line sometimes When push comes to shove You'll need to lose some to be a winner Have courage to surrender You'll need to laugh a lot and keep it light On the journey of your life Never get above your raisin May the simple things be amazing On the journey of your life He said I'll be the angel flying by your side On the journey of your life Many things to be spoken about in today's message, and uh, it's one hour is not enough time to cover it all. And of course, a lot of things that we've absorbed in the last 20 minutes of the broadcast. Uh, and we wish we had more time to go into more of these topics. But uh, something very, uh, just a simple <coughs> question about the message is that Our Lady, uh, we as believers believe who Jesus is, is the Messiah. Son of God, the Redeemer of mankind, glorified in heaven, will come back to judge the living and the dead. You name it, there's a, a, a thousand titles for, for Christ. But in today's message, or in yesterday's message that Our Lady gave, she refers to him as my son, not once, not twice, but three times. And what has Our Lady done, or what did Our Lady do in her lifetime that gives her the ability to continue to this very day to refer to Jesus as my son. Well, what she did was God's will. She did what she did, and she did it perfectly. And while that was maybe just washing dishes as a kitchen sink, that was God entrusted her with, the Savior. She never once in her life, according to Mariana, put herself first. Maria said, actually Mariana said, also Our Lady is very decisive. Maria is actually imitating Our Lady. I've seen it before, over and over. Maria is very decisive. She's not wishy-washy. And so we can see the personality of those who see Our Lady by their behavior. It doesn't seem, it's not to say they don't sin. All of them have faults. Our lady told Yvonne when he was accused of doing something that everyone makes mistakes. And Joseph and Mary wasn't without mistakes. You'd think that they didn't accuse themselves or how forgetful they were or how, <clears throat> how they didn't pay attention when they lost Jesus for three days. They lost the Savior. Big mistake. So life is full of mistakes, but what kind of mistakes are you going to make? We're not talking about that. We're talking about Mary's 
ability to do what she did to call Jesus her son, even though she lost him those three days, and even though she was accusatory probably herself, how could I not go to Joseph? How could we not have communicated and thought that this avoided this? This doesn't accuse Our Lady of being wrong. Life is made with mistakes. It's built into the fabric of it. So if we want to know why Our Lady is who she is, it's because what she is. The sinless creature, the only other one outside of Eve and, and Adam. And because Jesus is the second Adam, she's the second Eve. That's difficult for some people, especially Protestants, to grasp. But it's there, just like hiding in the messages and the things we discover in that, that this is what makes Our Lady who she is. There's not enough meditation on her by Protestants or people that don't understand her, or people who, even Catholics, they scoff about Medjugorje. We're paying too much attention to Mary. Well, we better. Many pass this off as, well, it's an optional thing. The church teaches us that even if they approve Medjugorje, that it's only worthy of belief, that it's not necessary for salvation. I tell you, the church says, fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Two small meals and one big meal. The church does a minimal. Our Lady by saying we don't have to believe these apparitions, it's not necessary for salvation, is minimal. Read the signs of the time. 30 years of apparitions. Don't think your lady's not coming because this is very, very necessary. The church in her wisdom gives the minimal and God goes the maximum. It doesn't change that because the church says that. It doesn't mean that the world won't be saved without our lady. Our lady herself has said, had she not come, the world would have destroyed itself. You better pay attention to this. You better look into it. You want family on this journey of life? You want to have the strength to do what you need to do in this culture? You want to have the ability to draw a line? One feedback came in today on what was written on this writing. Yesterday, it says, it's from Chicago, Illinois. Thanks for Our Lady's messages and your commentary. It confirms what I've been led by the Holy Spirit to witness in my place of employment before these messages. That accepting alternatives of Romans 1, 1832 was against the Catholic faith. And I submitted my resignation. I've lost my pension, health insurance, my income. But Jesus Christ is my king and Our Lady is my queen. What do you think this guy got this? Or it could be a woman. What do you think they got the strength and the fiber to do that? He said he made the decisions before the message, and especially before this message today. And this is what this message is talking about, Romans 1.18, or rather, 1832. It's very clear. And so you've got to draw a line somewhere. When push comes to shove, you've got to be ready to decide what you're going to do. You're not going to get that if you don't have your three hours of prayer, if you're not studying the messages. And that's what kind of woman the Virgin Mary was. She had fiber. She had the strength. It's Our Lady who said, I am a Christian. She didn't run around saying, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Catholic. 
We never promote Catholicism in that way here. We promote the Christian principles and live in a Christian life. And you wouldn't believe how many priests have gotten their vocation through this mission, how many nuns have gotten their vocation through this mission, how many people become missionaries and dedicated their lives, they're consecrating, and how many people converted through it, and how many people come here just to work, even a pagan, even some pagans in the past, they're in convents, just by simply being around us. They wanted to be a Catholic. We didn't have to say the word. They were attracted to it. And so this is the life of Our Lady. And she wants this for us. She wants this in a way that she wants you to go home. People are confused today. And people don't know, they don't have the identity. Our Lady is our identity. She is our way. She's our walk. We have people running from the past. And if you had people today, if you had somebody from 200 years ago come up today, just appeared out there on the streets or appeared at the mall or somewhere, and they just observed people for a little while. And if they saw what the children are doing and the cell phone and the internet, so if they're able to peer into the house and see what they've given access to and what they read and what they've been taught at school, what would these people from a couple of centuries ago think? They'd probably think something's in the water. They've got to be, there's something in the water. These people, we've never seen anything like this. How can they do something so illogical? How can they let the children live the way they live? They must be drinking stupid in the water. There must be something wrong here with these people. So our ladies call us to go home. And people in the society are fed up with the way things are going. They want to go home. Be simple. Just go home. From the past, but the world got to spinning so fast. I run from the future now. I run as fast as I can, trying to be a simple man. I just want to slow down. Well, laugh if you want to. Call me a backward fool But I ain't taking this ride Y'all just go on ahead and go Let me out by the side of the road Side of the road 
And of course, again, it's still a lot to cover in the broadcast and not enough time to cover everything. But I'd like to circle back to the question again, because in the first part of the broadcast, you said that many times the father's driven out of the home by the by the woman. But yet in your answer about Our Lady, you said Our Lady was decisive. So is there a contradiction between Our Lady being decisive and what you were saying in the first part of the broadcast? A contradiction in, in regards to womanhood what, today, right? What, what being decisive, right. when people are decisive, they're right. in their careers, they're you know very assertive. You're saying, right? Well, a lady was very assertive. She was very decisive, and that's what women today should be. But it was Angel Gabriel who came to the Virgin Mary and said to her, "This child's going to be called Jesus." Okay, she wasn't betrothed to, to Joseph. Later, she becomes betrothed, and then. Things change. There's a different authority over Our Lady. Does the angel in the dream come to Mary and say, Mary, tell Joseph you get up and let's go to Egypt. Jesus is in danger. Herod's going to kill him. That's not what happened. So that would be some continuity, you would think. If Mary's without sin, she's above Joseph in that purity. She's, she's, her honor certainly is above Joseph in heaven. Look who's coming to the earth. But God is, respects what he establishes. He submits to that because it's his order of things. So the, age, the angel Gabriel, in attendant to God, comes down and tells Mary, you're going to have a son, the Savior. Call him Jesus. Then tell Joseph that. Later they become betrothed. And then what happens? The angel appears to Joseph in the dream and says, Take the woman and the son. Go to Egypt. Was that a fluke? Maybe Mary is too deep in sleep. He didn't want to wake her up. I'll just go to Joseph. Well, we can go back to Egypt because he had another dream saying, okay, now you can go back. God respects that which he establishes. We disrespect always what God establishes. So we're trying to change things. Mary was very decisive in submitting to God the Father in his ways. And she had great respect for Joseph. And Joseph had great respect for her. But he was the head of the family and he guided it. And if you're not willing to establish this in a family, you're willing to make something and make an attempt to have families and societies without God, without his order, without his ways, it's not going to work. And it's not working. We have that. We have so much disorder in the family as far as authority, a rightful authority, and I know people saying, well, what if this and what is that? Well, I'm talking about that. I thought you just said about our shepherds. I implore you, she says, do not judge the shepherds. Are you forgetting that God the Father called them? Are you forgetting that? Society's forgotten that. They've forgotten that the Father is the shepherd of his family. They wiped that away. It's not just talking about bishops here. It's not just talking about that. We're shepherding people. We have thousands of, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who follow this mission and influence around the world. We're shepherds. We might say things need to be said from the pulpits, but what God has established, I respect. And we have a good relationship with our bishop here. He's our shepherd. We're friends. I can say that. He holds us because Catholics can good standing, despite what other people try to reinterpret or want people to say. 
because God put them there. And we're obedient to all those matters of jurisdiction. And so was Mary. She was decisively perfect in her wifely row with Joseph. And that should be meditated on for a long time because we're attempting to have families in societies without God the Father. And it's a disaster. And we have the peak sin, the promise of the veil in the temple when it's torn, when they're breaking from the old time to the new time, that in past civilizations, when that civilization was going to be history, the torn veil for this time is this great abominable sin where we're restructuring the family to define it in the most perverse ways. That's your sign. You say, what about abortion? That, this, that's still not the sign. This is a sign. This is the point where all civilizations fail. And so there's a new civilization coming, a new way. We're at war. We're desperate. There's a war on man today. And so it is that we have this war in the midst that we're fighting. And are we going to give up on it? It's our lady who said, let prayer be your weapon. Put on the armor of battle. And with a rosary in your hand, defeat him. Now's not the time to put down your gun. Your gun is your rosary. Now's the time to stand up and fight for what's right. Not divorce right. Don't surrender. Fight and do not run. We have to take a stand. If we don't, then we'll be run over. And that's, what happened. that's what's happening in Christianity today. Nobody's willing to stand up. And Satan's got us. We're between heaven and hell. And we're fighting constantly these things. And just as this person who wrote and took a stand, lost their job, lost their income, will you do that? Do you have enough fiber to do that? What about the war upon you? Is it sin? What is it? Stand up. Don't give up. Between heaven and hell, the devil in me burned another branch on the family tree. You take the bottle from my hand, whiskey off my breath. Tell me, is there really still anything left? There's a limit to living on God's green earth. Now I'm still trying to figure what that's worth. Not making any choices, I'm just making mistakes. Living in a world where the sinners are saved. Can I win when the battle keeps changing? Should I just lay down my gun? Surrender to the demons I'm facing? Do I fight or do I run? This the Take me now if that's his choice 
is it gonna be that makes me realize There are days I don't even wanna open my eyes How can I win when the battle keeps changing? Should I just lay down my gun? Surrender is sacred, a noble place where order is born. The Greek philosopher Homer said, There is nothing nobler or more admirable than when two people who see eye to eye keep house as man and wife, confounding their enemies and delighting their friends. What takes place in the home has an important effect upon the whole world. If homes are unstable, the whole of society will be also. The only way to have a noble home and see eye to eye is to understand your role and live it. By this means, society will change. Many homes today, including Christian homes, are only filled with unpeace and strife. Is your home a sacred holy place? a refuge where the Holy Spirit wishes to dwell in the midst of family? Or is your home a war zone with no peace, full of strife and division? Is there hope for change? How to Change Your Husband, a book by a friend of Medjugorje, truly the owner's manual for the family, God's direction through Our Lady and her messages from Medjugorje. For over 15 years, how to Change Your Husband has healed thousands of families through God's grace. How to Change Your Husband, available from Caritas of Birmingham. 
For a free download or to order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. How to Change Your Husband by a Friend of Medjugorje, available from Caritas of Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. You've often said that it's difficult for um, Our Lady today because everybody has their own Jesus. And she's really come today to present who he truly is. Avoid, um, to contrast all of the different definitions of who Jesus is out there today that everybody has their own Jesus gospel, that we read the same passage, but we can reinterpret it according to the, the waves of the culture. And, and this is one of the reasons why Our Lady is hidden. She, she, she has mystery in, in the message because she doesn't want to repel people, but bring them in. So my question to you is, if there's anyone out there who, who's walking this line, who um, we're giving into temptation, but they they have their own Jesus gospel that, that gives them confirmation of the life that they're living. What would you say to them to open their heart to what Our Lady's saying in the message today? I would say, first of all, those people who agree with you are in sin. Those who are Christian and won't, out of, out of the actions of tolerance, whether it be divorce or <clears throat> bad lifestyles or whatever it may be, they don't love you. If they don't say, brother, you're in trouble. What you're experiencing is not a desire that's normal. It's abnormal. It's sin. If you really love people, if you have love for all people, all sinners, no matter what they're doing, you'll tell them. Don't believe me. Read Romans 1, verses, uh, Romans 1 chapter 1, verses 18, 32. And tell them. This is not normal. You're darkened. You know, we've built this culture from the small sins, breaking the Sabbath. We've spoken about this. It's escalated to that, to thievery, for everything, through our commerce, and then to divorce, and then to abortion, and to the pinnacle sin when God comes back, because there's no more procreation in Acts. And so what do you tell people? What do I say to tell people? The truth Where's the conviction? Where's the say? I won't work here. You're not going to make me collaborate with sin. You're in sin. Don't you see what the cry is to incorporate these things into the culture and into law? It's to, to escape their guilt, to escape their conscience. That if it's in law, then that's going to be the next thing that erases that something's wrong here. But it won't be that. Then it has to be something else normalized. See, oh, that's an admission that there's a wrong walk here. First it's just this, then it's this, then it's this, then it's incorporated in the law. It's not going to end because your conscience won't end until it's dead. And many people are killing their conscience today. And the church is weak in this. We're not confronting this and standing up. We don't shove back. We have people getting in our face. And there's such a small number. Because we need to stand up against divorce. We need to stand up against people working on Sunday. And now, 
And that parallels, first they came after the Jews, I did nothing. Then they came after the whatever, the Catholics, and I said nothing. Now they came after me, and there's nobody else left with me. And so we haven't stood up. And it's time to set up. Or rather, it's time to sit up and stand up. And so we complain about the culture, we complain what's happening, and we've birthed this. We as a people have given way to this. We've vacated a position, thinking to be neutral, thinking to be tolerant, and this is wrong. You've got to be intolerant, because God's intolerant to this. He doesn't accept this, and His actions are coming. And so I think you were referring a little bit when Our Lady first came, that she if she came now, she couldn't get our attention, and it's true. I don't know if you're referencing that or not. But if a lady came today, she wouldn't have our attention. She had to come before the fax machine. Because now there's so many people distracted by so many different things, and the acceptance of so much, that thank God there's enough apostles that's been risen up that need to stand true, that need to stand up, that need to have fiber and conviction power, that no, we're not we're going to shove back. We're not going to put up with this anymore. If we don't, we're going to be overwhelmed. And so Our Lady's calling us to do this. We have Our Lady. In June, we start our novena to Our Lady. We've been doing it for, I think, what, 19 years? This novena, when it starts June 25th, the first thing that comes to my mind is Christmas. How can we do that when it's six months away? Because it's our preparatorial time in preparation for coming of Jesus. And there's so many things through the year that makes things so hard. So many tears that fall. So many broken dreams through the year, especially in this age right now. But somehow there's a reprieve from that Christmas. You've heard of the World War I when they had the battle on Christmas Eve between the Germans and the Americans. And they could see each other eye to eye. And on Christmas night, they got out of the foxholes, the trenches, and came and celebrated on that night of Bethlehem. Christmas. And then they went back to fighting after that. Christ and the world had that kind of power. And even today, we look forward to that. Even non-believers look forward to this time. It's nice seeing a lot of the stores shut down, at least most of them. Except Walgreens and all these other heretics. But it's beautiful to see that peace. It's beautiful. I long for it. Did you know we're just over 50 days from Advent? The heart longs for Christmas. We long for the Jesus. In the world today, we need the gift from God. God the Father gives us a gift. It's His Son. We need Jesus. We, Jesus, we need you. Say this to Jesus tonight when you go to bread. Jesus, I need you. We need you in the world. And if you could begin praying now just for this Christmas. And remember that lady says, most souls doesn't go to heaven on All Souls Day, but on Christmas Day. This is a jubilation in heaven. Our lady wants it to come back to the earth. You think after 30 years of appearing that she appears every single Christmas with, the, with baby Jesus for a reason? As I bore Jesus in my womb, I wish to bear you in holiness. Something like Christmas is coming. I long for this Christmas. I look for the reprieve, the fireplace, the preparation for Christmas, the peace that comes with it. I need him. You need him. We need him. We need you, Jesus. 
God, it's safe to say it's been a tough year. The hardest one we've ever seen. The world has never cried so many tears or had so many broken dreams. Got some bad things going on around us. We're killing each other senselessly. It seems we've learned to hate instead of love. I guess what I'm really trying to say: we need you. just told us through Maria September 25th a few days ago I call you for this time to be for all of you a time of witnessing you who live in the love of God and have experienced his gifts witness them with your words and life tomorrow the next day whoever you see 
if they just give a crack for you to say something about a lady, just open the door just a little bit. Give them the gifts of you. And now lady said, remember, be a reflection of Jesus. They need you. You may be the only Jesus they see. Our Lady said today, or the Sunday night, yesterday, only hearts filled with goodness can comprehend them except God the Father. It's all they need. But that goodness may come from you. They may want to come home. It's all I want to do. It's all you want to do. This is the moment to take a stand. Don't let it pass. You may be their Jesus. They need you. We love you. Good night. We wish you a lady.